This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. And so we are addressing another question this morning, but we do want to bring us all to the same point in place. We're going to go over the definition of marriage. Again, this is from God's perspective, from a biblical perspective. Marriage is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman who are born again, choose to enter into a covenant relationship with another imperfect person for a lifetime. That's marriage, and that's where we're coming from, that's where we have been coming from, that's where we will continue to come from. Now, I do want to say this before we go into this question. I do advise those of you who are not married to listen closely. Uh, those of you maybe who are married and haven't been married that long, listen closely. Take heed to these questions. Take heed to the counsel that is given. It will give you insight into the fullness of the commitment that you make when you enter into marriage. But here's today's question that we're going to address. And she says, good morning. So as I was listening, I find myself guilty of keeping my husband away from his family. But for fear that he'll start drinking, getting drunk, and being mean to me. So I say, let's watch a movie or go riding around. I also catch myself tearing down his masculinity to show him I'm smarter and that I'm usually right. I'm really lost for what to do. Thank you. God bless. Okay, so hopefully this person who has submitted this question that you are listening. And I'm going to turn it over to the ministers. But first I want to uh, kind of set um, the stage. Right? And hearing this question, um, addressing it to the person who asked this question, um, where you are right now is not good. Okay. And um, it's not headed in the right direction. Now, marriage does take work, but marriage is not designed to be difficult. Okay, so where you are right now and where you're headed is not the place to be. Um, if it is as you describe, where you are right now needs to change. Uh, that needs to change. And so I was mentioning to the ministers as well, one of the words that came up to my mind, and I'll tell you why this word came up to my mind, because if we believe God, and we do believe God, uh, we understand that in this situation, um, yeah, if your husband is doing what you say he's doing, well, he's wrong. But if you're doing what you're saying you're doing, you're wrong. And you're not helping the situation. Uh, what you're doing is you're adding fuel to the fire. And that's why I say where you are right now is not good and you're heading in the wrong direction. And so uh, the word that comes to my mind is de-escalate. Right there. What you're doing is adding fuel to the fire. You're ramping up. There needs to be something that, that kind of, uh, something to stop the rising of the flames. So there needs to be some kind of de-escalation there. And there needs to be a change, and that, need, that change needs to start as soon as possible. And I say this because the longer you put off the change, and I'll say this as well, I don't know how long you're married or how long you have been married. I don't know how, how long it has been like this. And we can actually grow accustomed to living in the wrong way. But the longer you put off the change that needs to come, the more difficult it's going to be to initiate that change and get that change going. So don't put it off. Change needs to happen as soon 
as possible. And I do want to say this. Change is possible. Our God is a mighty God. He's well able to turn situations if we allow him. So change is possible. So with you recognizing, recognizing that this, you're not in a good position, that's why you ask this question, I do believe. That's why you raise this question. Recognizing that you're not in a, a good spot and, and as believing that this is a believer who asked this question, so you recognize that where you are in your marriage right now is not good and now you are a person who submitted to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know this. Change is going to have to start with you. Slow down. Calm down. Because I believe in, even when you're living in a situation like this and you recognize that things need to change, you hear these questions and your blood pressure starts to go up, you start to get anxious, we just want you to calm down. I want you to calm down. I want you to understand in your position in Christ, change has to start with you. And I say this because uh, I believe you understand this. God's not going to make your husband do what your husband doesn't want to do. God's not going to do it, and you can't make him do it. He's not your child. It just doesn't work that way. So as much as you try to keep him from his family, you can't keep that man from his family if he wants to be with his family. You can't make him stop drinking if he doesn't want to stop drinking. God's not doing it. Okay? It's going to have to be his choice, just like God is not going to make you be a virtuous woman against your will. It has to be your choice. It has to be your desire. God's not going to stop you from saying things that are wrong. It has to be your choice to do that. Okay? But the change has to start with you because of your position. These are the things that we've been teaching. And I, I want to uh, make sure that you understand. We're going to repeat things that have already been said. Because the Word of God has not changed. It is not changing. The Word of God does work. You must apply it. Sometimes I understand how we hear when we hear, we might be in a building and the person might be speaking, but we might be somewhere else even though we're in that same building. And so the word just escapes us. So sometimes the word is spoken and we're thinking about how it applies to another situation, but yet it doesn't apply to us. A lot of times we can say amen, but yet sometimes we don't take that word and put it into our households and our situation because we don't see it quite applying to us. And so we're going to repeat things. And you're going to have to pay attention to these things. You're going to have to take heed to these things. So again, I want to remind you change is very possible don't put off the change but I do want to make sure you understand what is required change is possible but it will require you trusting God and I know that as a believer we all say we trust God I know we all say amen I know we know how to say amen but it's real easy to say, I trust God when things aren't a challenge for me. So this is going to be a challenge, and you're going to have to trust God through it. Not only are you going to have to trust God, you're going to have to obey God. Now, my first thought is, you need to obey the marital council, but you need to obey the whole Word of God. Okay? The Word of God is true. The Word of God is for you. The Word of God does work, but you're going to have to obey it. You have to put it into action. You're going to have to hear it, and you, you can't say, that doesn't apply to me. You have to be quick to obey. So it's, it's going to take your trust in God. It's going to take your obedience, and it's going to take discipline. Because it's going to take more than just one act of obedience. Because the, uh, we've been learning about these, these things. The challenges will come after your one act of obedience, and then you've got to still fight through and keep going. You've got to make it a habit, a habit. This has to become not what you do. This has to become 
who you are. And then with that discipline, it stands to reason it's going to take time. Change is possible, but no one is telling you change is going to happen overnight. See, now you understand why you have to trust God. You, while you're trusting God, you're obeying God. You're applying that discipline. It's becoming who you are. But time is going by. And you may not see the change that you are after or desiring right away. And so it stands to reason. Trust in God. Obey God. Apply discipline. It's going to take time. And it's going to take patience. James says, Let's, let patience have her perfect work. There's a perfect work that's going to go on. But patience has to be allowed to work. So, and, and James says that as it applies to applying the faith and walking in faith and continuing in the faith. You have to do these things. That's what it's going to take. Change is possible, but you have to trust God. You have to obey God, the fullness of His Word. You can't just pick and choose. Okay, I think that works. No, no, just obey God fully. Okay? And then there's going to have to be discipline applied. It's going to take time, and it's going to take patience. Remember, we've taught these things before. What you're doing is, as you're applying all this, you're planting seeds. Seed time and harvest works in the marriage. You're planting seeds, and when you plant seeds, if you understand about planting, you don't plant today and get fruit tomorrow. It takes time. It takes diligence. It takes patience. Okay? And trust God through this. So we can't control our spouse's response. But we can't control ours. And I want to make sure you understand this. Don't, don't feel bad about you recognizing that you need to change. We all have work that we can do. We all have change that we probably need to institute in our lives. You're no different in that regard. And I do believe that as long as we come to a God and say, Hey, God, I recognize that this is wrong. This is not where you want me to be. I believe God applies and grants us grace to get through. So, so de-escalate, all right? And, and the first thing I want to say about the de-escalation and it sounds simple, but sometimes I think we miss it. It is written, let him that stole steal no more. Okay, that's all I want you to concentrate on. Once the thief recognizing the stealing is wrong, the first act, stop. If you recognize that you find yourself challenging him, making it hard on him, making him feel worse, challenging his masculinity making him feel like he's not as smart as you, you know that's wrong. You know that's not right. You're a thief in that regard. Stop stealing. That's the first act to de-escalate. You need to calm down and recognize, okay, this has to come into your mind. You have to recognize, if I won't change, and I recognize that change is, is necessary, and I'm a child of God, it's got to start with me. Even though he might be wrong, I'm wrong. I can't control his wrong. I can control mine. I need to stop. And then we can move forward. Amen. And, and again, I mean, when you read this question here, I mean, there's some seriousness that's going on here, right? It really is. And, you know, I want to make sure you, you understand the gravity of the situation. Understand that, like Minister Martin talked about, obedience, trust God, and you need to stop. Um, I know there's things that's being said here around the husband, about drinking, but there's things that are being said about what you're doing too that is wrong. And so I'm just going to piggyback off the thing Minister Martin said about de-escalation, because I think it's so important to understand, you know, like I said, how to de-escalate, stop these things. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 
Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 1. Again, a very common passage of Scripture for those in this ministry. I think it truly applies to ask who they ask this question about de-escalation. It says, Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So that means a soft answer. Now, the only reason I'm going to answer you is because you asked me something. So that means there's a response. So you as a wife with your husband need to respond to him with a soft answer. Soft means kindness. Soft means out of respect. Soft does not mean tearing them down, being sarcastic. Because, again, here's the thing. I, when I hear these questions, and I never lose fact that we're talking about marriage. You talk about a husband and a wife, Right? You know, understand that, right? That means at one point in time, this is a person that you said I do to, right? This person you said you wanted to marry, right? So, again, now we've gotten to this place. But, that, but this is still your husband. You're still his wife. So you need to respond to him with a soft answer. And that's going to turn away the wrath. That's, that's not going to stir up anger. And you've got to start practicing that. A soft answer. Right? That means it's offense, I'm not going to tear down his masculinity. And I think that's so amazing to hear these comments, right? Because you know what you're doing. And again, like Minister Martin said, you know what you're doing. For you to say you're tearing down his masculinity, then that means you're doing these things on purpose. Right? And, and if you're doing these things on purpose and you know what you're doing, he probably, your husband probably knows it as well when you're saying this. But be, 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 but be very clear, right? The, the husband and his masculinity has nothing to do with you. As a wife, you, you, you can't tear down his masculinity. He's always going to be masculine. Right? So, again, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing things that, that has, has not, is escalating in places should not even go. Right? So, you have to learn to back it up, stop what you're doing, and be a soft answer. And when you recognize these things are wrong, you're tearing down your own house. And look at this in Proverbs 14 as well. I mentioned tearing down your house. Look at Proverbs 14, because these are things that have been said already in this teaching and I want to again just reemphasize and bring these things out again Proverbs 14 verse 1 every wise woman build up her house but the foolish pluck it down with her own hands so again take this take the word for what it says right a wise woman you're going to build up your house but if you're tearing down your, your house with your own hands that's a foolish woman you're being foolish in your own house you're tearing down your house with your own hands. Right? Trying to justify you in, in the situation and you uh, tearing, tearing down, you being smarter, you know, you're the, you're the good one, he's the bad one. Right? You're right, he's wrong. Let me tell you, when it comes to marriage, there's not a question of who's right or wrong. Remember, you're on the same team. That's why you're husband and wife, you're in covenant together with God. God is the only one that's right. Remember, you enter into his covenant. Again, the, the definition of marriage we went over already. You enter into his covenant. Right? Within a perfect person. So, so that's what I mean. It's so important to back up, like Minister Martin said, stop. Stop. Because you're tearing down your house with your own hands. You know, saying what to do. Stop it. And so I'm, I'm going to give an example here, because I think it's good to, to have these biblical examples about how you should respond in this situation. Because it is a serious issue with your husband drinking. That means it, those issues need to have a conversation. You need to have a conversation with your husband about that. But, but again, you have to, when you come to him about that, you have to have your attitude needs to be right. Your heart needs to be right. You have to have already be 
practice and, and, and knowing exactly what you're going to say to him before you just talk to him about these things. So we're going to give an example. Let's turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25. Let's look at how this sister dealt with her husband. 1 Samuel 25, starting at verse number 2. It says, There was a man in Maon, whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of that man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was curlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. So you see here that we opening up, we have this marriage couple, Abigail the wife, Nabal the husband. Right? Nabal the husband was rich, had money. Right? But he was foolish. Curlish means he was harsh, even in his doings. Now the wife, Abigail, she was a good understanding. Says she was beautiful of a countenance. Right? And, and so now here we are. We have a husband and you have this wife and they are in covenant together. Now, she knows he married a fool but she married the fool. Catch that. But she still respects him as her husband. So now there's a situation that came up with David about shears, about asking for something from Nabal. And now we'll jump down to verse 14. It says, But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. I like that. I, I, she t- he told Abigail, Nabal's wife. Whoever asked this question, remember, you are this man's wife. Never forget that. Saying, Behold, David sent messengers on, out into the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, as long as we are uh, conversant with them when we were in the fields. There were a wall unto us both by night and day, and all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against us, against our master, and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial, right, that a man cannot speak to him. So here we are now, this young man is approaching Abigail, knowing she's a good understanding, tell him what happened. And saying, look, it's up to you. Right? In other words, he needs, he's not going to do right. But you can. Help us. Because if not, our whole, uh, he was going to come to our whole, determined against our whole household. Not only against him, but against everybody in the home. Again, that's what we talked about before, about tearing down your house with your own hands. What you're doing is not just impacting him, it's impacting your whole house. You mentioned children, it's impacting your children. That's why you have to stop. Learn this from Abigail. Right? So what did Abigail do? She responds, she went out, she met with David, she brought the things that he requested even more than that, and, and then she got to a place where she ministered to David. On behalf of her household. On behalf of Nabal. And then she came back to Nabal. 
Now look at this in verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house like a feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. So you see, when she approached, this is the, this is the counsel, right? What to do? When she approached Nabal, she, she did not approach him while he was drunk. Don't approach your husband when he's drunk. Wait till he's sober. And I, like I said, it waited till the morning. It's nothing like the morning after. Right? Catch him early. In the morning. This, this time to have a conversation. Right? When he is sober. But when he's drunk, don't say, do not address that man while he is in that drunken state. That's what I mean how serious it is. Because all you're going to do is just continue to escalate this. So you see here, she did not address him while he was drunk. He said, until the morning. Now we jump down to verse, I'm sorry, verse 37. But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone, out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as stone. So here's the counsel. Here's how you need to approach your husband. Right? Again, wait till he is sober. That means wait till the wine or whatever the alcohol is gone. Catch him in the morning. When you talk to him, show him respect. Right? Show him respect. And when you talk to him, like you see with Abigail, catch him by himself. Do not confront him around his family, his friends, you know, around other company, or, you know, just to embarrass him again, like you talk about Terrence. Understand this. Catch him alone. This is a conversation between you and him. Why he is sober. Showing him respect. And so that means showing him respect again is out of an attitude of love. You know, you're going to talk to him out of love. How are you going to talk to him out of love? Love as his wife. You approach your, hu- your husband as his wife. Out of love. Out of respect. Out of honor. So that means you're going to show him that, hey, look, I'm here for you. Remind him of why you married him. Remind him why you love him. Remind him of the things that he does. Again, that is good. That is acceptable. Again, that's what I mean. Instead of tearing down, build up. Like we talked about before, a wise one builds up or how. You need to build him up. Remind him of these things. Again, let him know that you're there for him. Put him in remembrance of that. And don't make demands of him. Don't make threats to him. Don't say, if you don't do this, I'm going to... Don't get into that, those kind of situations. You know, you, you start making demands. But have the conversation. Let him know about his drinking. How it impacts you. Impacts his family. But remind him of who he is as a husband. That he is called of God to be in that position of husband. And that you are there to follow his lead. And again, I'm telling you, these things... Like I, Casper Miss Martin said, this takes work. Right? Because you're going to get yourself in the right attitude. Because if he, whatever he responds, then you got to think, I'm going to turn, my, my soft, my, I'm going to respond with a soft answer. Respect. I'm not here to tell him what everything he is not doing. That's not what we're saying here. So you got to have that attitude towards him. And, and then lastly, let me say this before I, I turn it over here. Don't put this man's business in the street. 
You know what I mean by that, right? Don't be telling everybody about your husband and what he's not doing or what he's doing for his drinking. I mean, don't put this man's business in the street. Learn that. Learn to take it to the Lord. Seek his counsel. And then I'm going to tell you, seek the counsel of your pastor. And, and, and also, there, there are women in this ministry that are women of covenant, are godly women, that you can turn to the, to share these things with. Again, not putting your, not putting your husband in the street, but to receive counsel. Help. Because this is serious. Right? We're not here gossiping about your husband. Right? And you ain't got to go talk to other brothers. Oh, brother, can you go talk? You know, that's it. Anyway, let me, let me get off of that. But, but that, that's the thing that's so important to understand. Don't put this brother's business in the street because that's going to escalate as well when he started hearing about youth out there talking about him and what he's doing and not doing in the home that's going to make even more and more things worse that's what I mean we're starting with you amen amen I, I appreciate um, you know everything that, that you ministers are, are saying it's, it's again it's, it's um, you know we're repeating some of the things that we covered before but I think that, that it bears um, you know discussion especially in light of the questions that we're getting. You know, I, I love when you say that, uh, you know, don't put your husband's business out in the street, but also, uh, you know, you're not isolated. You're, you're not alone. You are a part of a community yes. of faith. Yes. Scripture talks about that, that the younger women should go to the older women for instruction and for wisdom in terms of how to conduct their houses. You know, I love that we talked about, um, it, it seems like every, every week we, we keep going back to the scripture in Proverbs 14 that a wise woman, every, I'm sorry, every wise woman, that she builds her house. And in, uh, in this season, we're called to be wall builders. You know, so we have to, we have to understand how to build. If, if we can't build our homes, how are we going to build the house of God? And so just know that, um, that, that you have strength. You know, last week, Minister uh, Stenson, she was talking about delegated authority and, and leadership. And, and, and I really appreciate what, what she was saying because one of the things that we want you all to get as we answer these questions, and this is, this is for the husband and the spouse, is that we don't want any one of you to feel like you need to mute yourself in your own home. We don't want you to feel like you need to become powerless in your own home. You have strength in your home. You have, you have a voice in your home. God, but God is saying, this is how you need to use your strength. Now, when you feel weak in your home, look, you have strength. It's your home, you have strength. Okay, that's, that's already given. When you feel weak in your home, when you feel as though you're not being effective in your home, that's when you are applying your strength incorrectly. You can, you can work all that you want to, but in the wrong way, and you won't get the results that you're hoping for. So, but when you, when you apply your strength according to your role, according to your position, then you find that your efforts are more than your efforts. You find that your strength is more than your strength. You're like, you know what, I didn't realize that just by doing this that all these other things could be accomplished. Because God's word is based on his promises. And as you, as you walk in, in his word, as you walk according to his word, now you create an avenue for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your home. 
And so we talk about the things that God can do, the things that, that you can do, and that you don't want to get confused trying to put yourself in a place that you don't belong in. But when you allow God to work through you, then you allow God to work in your home. And so as we're talking about these things, we're talking about, you know, what, what, what doesn't work. And so, again, we, we mentioned that, that you are part of a community of faith. One thing that, that I want you all, and it's just something that was in my spirit as I was reading these, this, this question. It's not specifically stated, but it, it's, uh, you know, what, what doesn't work is, is it, it, it doesn't work for you to try to set up play dates for your husband. And those of you that have children, you know what I'm talking about. You, you say, I'm, I'm going to try and, 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 and get this brother to, to come and, and, and be an influence in my husband's life. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this particular minister's messages real loud so that my husband can hear. Right? Th- that, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Look, the scripture says that if, if this counsel doesn't need it, then you need to go and seek the counsel. And in fact, you know, one reason why it doesn't work is because the brothers in this ministry, the, the serious brothers in this ministry, we get kind of irritated when, when, when brothers coming around that don't care about God and are just coming around to try and please their wives. We can kind of sense that. We sense that something is off. Like when a brother comes around and he's like, you know, real helpful and he's smiling and he's grinning and he's showing up for stuff, but, but he's not really interested in the scripture he sees more interested in, in taking back the report card and saying, hey, I attended Men of Integrity. Or, hey, I went to the fellowship so that my wife knows that I went and she knows that I was a good boy. Right? We can, we can sense that. You know why? It's because we, we sense when people are really after God. When they're really hungry for God. They're not trying to get all in, in, in people's faces and make friends. They want to know, what does the scripture mean? How do I apply this word of God to my life? You know what? I don't even care what you do for your job. I, I, I don't care, you know, where you're from, what your, what your past affiliations are. I don't need to know you on that personal level. What I want to know is more about the word of God. And when someone comes to us and they're hungry to learn about the word of God, we respond to that. And you know why? Because we are hungry for the word of God. What do they say? Real recognizes real. So we know, we know real brothers when we see them. And so what, another thing that doesn't work is don't, don't try to live in two worlds. It says in James 1 and 8, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, so listen, I, I know you talked about your husband getting drunk. Uh, were you the one that drove him to the club? Were you, were you in it for the first two or three rounds at 8 o'clock and now it's 11 o'clock and you're like, it's time to go home? But he doesn't want to go home because he's deep into it now. And so, listen, you, can't, you cannot allow yourself to be caught up in his sin. You can't allow yourself to be caught up in his bondage. right? I know he's your husband and I know you love him. But look, there's some places that if, if he wants to be with you, he can't be. If you want to be with me, I'm not going to be in that place. I'm not going to be in that place of bondage. If we're going to the park and you're telling me that these people are going to be there, and I know what those people do when they go to the park. I know, I know what, where, where they go off by themselves and, and the cloud that's around them. You know, I, I know exactly what happens in those situations. Look, I, 
I have other things to do with my time. You know what? There's some things around the house that need to happen. There's a Bible study that's coming up. My calendar is occupied. I, I am occupied with doing the will of God. I can't join you in that. And it's not a case of where you, where you need to feel guilty because, because you're not there by his side all the time. Listen, you married a man. You don't need to be by his side all the time as he's in his iniquity. If you feel like, well, maybe he's going he's gonna to slip up and do something that he shouldn't do, guess what? He's going to do that if you're there, if you're not there, because he's out of his mind. That's what, those, that's what those things do. They take you out of your mind. They release your inhibitions. And so the thing that, that he would have done, it doesn't matter if you're there or, he's not, or you're not there. It's still going to happen. What, you need to know, what, what he needs to know is that, is that where you are is where the Word of God is. Is that when he's with you, that he's, he, he can hear from God. That he is in the presence, right? That he is in the presence of wisdom. He doesn't need to be confused about that because you're trying to, to go along to get along. Right? That, because you're trying to compromise. Another thing is, is that you have to understand, well, what does work? Where, where can I put my strength? And we, we said it before. You have to put your strength in your role. Trust in God. Have patience. As you put your strength in your role, know that God is working with you. Go to Psalm 34. We'll read some scripture today. Psalm 34. Starting with verse 12, it says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. You, ha you have a voice. Use it wisely. Right? Depart from evil and do good. In this part that I love, it says to seek peace and pursue it. It means you need, to, you need to search it out. You need to seek out peace. You know, a popular slogan that, 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 that was going around is, um, Know Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. And then it said, Know Jesus, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. Right. So seek out peace. Peace doesn't come from compromise. Peace doesn't come from railing. Peace comes from Jesus, from a meek and quiet spirit, from that hidden man of the heart. Another thing that we need to do is that we need to be able to, is to, be able to move forward. You know, I, I hear in this question a lot of things about, you know, these are the patterns that I've seen. This is the, the history that we have. This is where we've walked. And if you go to Galatians chapter 6 and 1... A very familiar passage of scripture. It says, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It says if, if, if you're spiritual, if you really are spiritual, 
if you truly are hearing from God and you see that, that, that your husband is, is overtaken, you should, be, you should be the one to be a part of the restoration process, not a part of the, of the tearing down process, not, not a part of, of, of the criticism process, not, not a part of the, of the uh, putting down process of demonstrating your, your, your spiritual superiority, your mental superiority, your intellectual superiority. But you should be the one to be building up. And, and you know, I can't believe that we've been, we've been in this month of February, you know, as, as the world is defined it, but, you know, also that we're in this season and we haven't, we haven't really gone to, to 1 Corinthians 13. So let's just go there. Why not? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to read you know, all of it, but I just want to, want to point out a couple of things. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just going to jump to verse 4. It says, charity suffers long. We're talking about you're going to have to, you're going to, have to be able to move forward. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never fails. But where there's intellect, where there's prophecies, right? But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And it goes on to talk, because we're not, we ourselves have not been transformed into that perfect man. God is still working on us. But just know that love, love never fails. The love of God, it never fails. You have strength in your home. You have a voice in your home. Use that strength. Use that voice in the way that God has ordained in your role. And you'll find that it's very, very effective. Amen. I'm sorry. This is just amazing to me. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing these things and all these things are popping up in my spirit about this. Uh, uh, because I'm, I'm hearing... I'm hearing that you're supposed to actually build up your house, okay? And so I'm addressing this to whoever asked this question. So you're supposed to build up your house. You are a help to your husband who you see is in trouble. You really are a help to your husband who you see in trouble. And when you recognize the trouble, you look back at Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah recognized that, you know what, there's a sign of promise but then there's a son who's messing up everything here. Abraham can't quite see this, so I'm gonna let him know. So she let know that no, she let Abraham know that no, Ishmael, no, he can't stay here. And that troubled Abraham. Abraham wasn't down with that, but God confirmed to Abraham that you know you got a good woman, you got a good wife. She's looking out for the house. She's looking out for the home. She sees that you're headed in the wrong direction, and she's not gonna keep her mouth quiet. She's gonna speak. Ooh, but I got to say this. Are you Sarah? See, because you do need to talk to your husband. But let me tell you this. 
when the wounds are fresh, you're, gonna, you're not going to get anywhere with him. After you just, a couple days ago, challenged his masculinity, gave him trouble, and now you're going to turn around and say, but I need to have a serious conversation with you. That's not going to work. What you need to do is you need to change the environment. He has to see you differently than he's seeing you right now. How's that going to happen? It's, we said it from the get-go. It's about you. You're going to have to initiate the change. You're going to have to be more... See, I want you to understand this. When we, we talk about you um, needing to change and stopping from saying the wrong thing to him and challenge... This is why I want to go back to say you've got to obey the whole word of God. You've got to be a person of righteousness. You've got to be a true believer. You've got to walk in the things that you've been taught. You've got to be a Christian, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ through and through. That's going to take time for him to see you like that after he's for a while seen you in the way that you have been behaving. I want to go back even to Abigail. In fact, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25 because this, this gets me. Because Minister Stacey made mention of it how she actually approached David. Now, we didn't get into the details of approaching David, but I want you to understand this. Here you are. Let, let's say your husband is not born again. Well, let's say he is and he just can't see the word. Right? He, he's not, it's not computing with him. But here you are. You're a born again believer in a household with someone who needs the light. You got the answer, but you're preventing him from seeing the answer by being the wrong person. That is wrong. I'm living with somebody who has the answer, but I don't have access to the answer because they have not been following the Lord Jesus Christ the way they have, and I couldn't receive their counsel. Don't you see how devastating that is? Don't you see how wrong that is? But if you would be Sarah, if you would be Abigail, you, again, this is going to take time. This is going to take effort. It's going to take patience. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take discipline. And, and for a while, it's like, he's, he's not getting it. No, no, you need to stay the course. Because once he can see you as Sarah, once he can see you as Abigail, then you can approach your husband. See, because if you approach your husband right now, he's like, come on, last week we were just into it. What's you trying to tell me what's good, what's not good, what's right and what's not right? No, there's going to have to be a, a sincere change that he has to recognize. He has to see, and he has to recognize that it is sincere. But once you become that, then you can speak into his life. Then allow you that access. See, because when Abigail approached David, David was in the wrong. See, it said that she was a woman of good understanding. So she had an approach. I'm, I'm telling you this. There's a way that you need to approach your husband when you need to approach your husband. First, you've got to be Abigail. First, you've got to be Sarah. See, that, that's all the prep work. See, th those are the seeds being planted. All this desire that you want in your home, you've got to recognize, you know, but what have I been doing to build up this house? What have I been doing to be a light? What have I been doing to be a credible witness that my husband can look to me and receive counsel from me? But once that happens, look at 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 23. I'm sorry, verse... I'm looking at the wrong chapter, I'm sorry. Verse 32, I'm sorry. 1 Samuel 25, verse 32. And David said to Abigail, after Abigail approached him spoke to him about what thing needs to be done versus what he was about to do. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. Do you hear that? God blessed me with you to prevent me from going down the wrong road. 
This wasn't even his wife. Here you are, a born-again believer, with the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have it. Your husband needs that. Verse 33. And blessed be thy advice. And blessed be thou, which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast tasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. I would have done damage. You would have been included in that damage. But you being a woman of good understanding and someone I can receive counsel from came and you spoke to me. You kept me from going down that wrong road. You are to be a help to your husband. You've got to see yourself as that. You might be the light that God placed in your husband's life to change the course of his life. But you've got to be in the right place, doing the right thing, as a credible witness, so that he can receive from you. And we don't have time to go there, but you need to go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. You see, because he says, now, if you see that your husband just can't get it, you can't give it to him. Unless you have chaste conversation. Unless you have good behavior. Unless you have pure behavior. Unless you have holy behavior. And then that holy behavior has to be coupled with fear, with reverence. Yes. And then when you do it, you can't say, he's not getting the message. I need to say something. No, you need to slow down. Calm down. Trust God. Obey God. Give it time. Apply patience. And then see what God does. Change is possible. But it has to start with you. We're out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.